0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to Radical Health Radio. Today, I had Jared Cardona in the studio. You might have seen this guy juggling kettlebells on Instagram. He is known as the crazy trainer on the gram. He's just a wonderful mover, a wonderful human. He's got some really cool insights about life, about training and movement, of course. We talk about that, what what are some of the best movements for people, how to approach training, how to make training fun again, how to get back into the gym and find your tribe and your community. And we sprinkle in some philosophical, bro sciency life stuff along the way. It's a really fun chat, Jared's got a great energy and I think you're really gonna love this conversation. Of course, we chat to our caller today and uh, we have a lot of fun with Ray on the phone and it's a great chat if you listen to this podcast you will feel inspired to move and groove and find your flow so without further ado let's get into the show hello friends welcome back to the show today in the studio i have mr jared Formerly known on the Instagram as The Crazy Trainer. You may have even seen this guy's antics. Juggling kettlebells, throwing heavy sandbags around, having a whole lot of fun, unconventional training. Jared, welcome to the show. How's your day going, brother? It's and, going uh, amazing. Thanks for coming out.
1: It's going amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be out here. It's really beautiful. I don't get to see ranches often. There you I go. just moved to Austin, Texas. I don't think there's as many ranches like in East Austin. Yep. So you being are out right. here is beautiful. And, and this HQ. Awesome culture, pretty nice. barefoot, right? I'm barefoot right now. Um, I feel really good here already and I haven't even explored
0: yet. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, we're only going to feel better as we get into this conversation, man. So I know it's. I've got to pick your brain on a bunch of stuff today, but one of the things that I've seen you say a lot, and it's kind of your, your tagline in a way, is like, make training fun again. Make people fall in love with training. Why is that such an important thing to you?
1: If you're not having fun, then I don't think it's going to sustain. We got to find activities that we enjoy doing not just discipline Um, discipline is important i need it and i need that structure but if i'm not enjoying the process of the discipline i see burnout for Mm -hmm. a lot of people and as someone who hasn't i don't believe i've burned out for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. um, of training consistently even no matter what happened with chaos i was like as long as i'm learning something new it's fun Mm -hmm. it's a deeper relationship with fitness in general so make training fun again.
0: Yeah. I love it. And I think, is it fair to say, you would say that the reason most people don't train, we get caught in echo chambers where like, we do this all the time. So we're like, oh yeah, everybody's training and having fun. But actually you zoom out. Not a lot of people are doing this. Do you think it's because it's not that fun for people? They see, they think training is jumping on the treadmill or pounding the pavement and it just kind of looks miserable. And, And when they see something that you do, it looks so much fun. It looks playful. It looks like I would love to be able to do that one day. Now, of course, walk before you can run and all of that stuff. But do you think if you can tell your story through what you do by having fun, it, it, it invites more people into the gyms and into the parks to flow and have some fun?
1: I believe so. And I think when you start to discover the why of all exercises, it becomes very fun. Like even running, I used to suck at. It wasn't something I ever enjoyed. Mm. But once I started to learn about the biomechanics of it and practice it like an instrument, Mm -hmm. It started to become more fun. Mm -hmm. And so if you use every movement as a learning experience, it doesn't have to be just kettlebell flipping and juggling. It could be landmine training and can I engage my full body in a very proper, unique way where I know it was money. That's Mm -hmm. the G spot. I got it. There's a Mm -hmm. knowing, not I think. I think when you start to feel this knowing through the playfulness and the experimentation and the movement exploration, it just becomes a really fun process
0: yeah i always say feeling is believing there's the fly again hey bob feeling is believing and when you feel that you you just know like uh it's something clicks and one of the things you said and i think i agree with this a lot is people feel good about themselves and about life if they're progressing on something they're Mm -hmm. learning something and you said an instrument and it dawned on me that this is a wonderful instrument to learn to play Mm -hmm. this human body the different patterns the squats the lunges the flips the juggling the coordination the balance the running fast or running long or going Mm -hmm. slow and what a wonderful instrument so you can feel so
1: many feelings through so many
0: ways yes. through this one instrument. Yes, yes. it's it's uh, The body, in a sense, is, is very conscious. It allows us so much life. Something I've believed for a long time is that the healthier the body, the more experiences we can have. The more experiences we can have, the more we can learn. The wiser we can become and the, the richer life feels. And I know that it's something that you also talk about a lot because... If someone was to look at your Instagram, they'd see a very fit guy, an athletic guy, a strong guy, muscles and ripped. but you don't Thank necessarily you. train just for that, right? It's not about aesthetics for you purely. It's about function and the form that you occupy follows the function. So I think a lot of times people look at it in that way. It's all about, you know, I just, I just want to get jacked and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that if that's your goal. But how do you marry these two worlds of training for function and uh, longevity and also Looking like a badass. I'm feeling like one, too.
1: I think it's going through that journey. I started with ego. What mm. brought me into the gym was I want six-pack abs. That's what's going to bring me woman. That's yeah. what's going to make me confident. That's what's going to make me cool is the way I look. If I didn't have that beginning standpoint, I don't know if I would have entered the gym mm. if I didn't have my ego running me at the time. Um, so when it comes down to that, I totally understand everybody, the general population of why we would go in there to look good. Yeah. And as someone who's done the process, I lost like 40 pounds when I first got into this journey. Mm. You look good, you feel good. It does carry over. Mm -hmm. It's a very real feeling, but we go back to the vanity. It's temporary. So what's going to keep me staying in the gym? What's going to keep me into fitness in the long haul? Exploration, Mm -hmm. play, um, feeling really good, not just by the way I look like, okay, it's going to take me three months to see my abs start to come out. Mm Well, if you practice a very mindful movement, you will feel your improvement mm-hmm. potentially in that same second, in that minute, in that practice. If you can get better at a squat and you can feel your muscle connecting deeper every training session you go, that's more exciting to me. That's, yeah. that's gratification right there. Yeah. You don't got to wait three months to see it. You can feel it. And I think when we start to feel that, we can integrate both Mm -hmm. concepts of, okay, I want to look good, but I also want to feel super good. Mm. I want to feel very confident, not just look confident. So if I want to feel very confident, my movement patterns should be very confident. They should Mm. be very practiced. I should be very aware of how my body is performing in space and time. Mm. And that confidence for me has trickled into every area of my life with socializing, being on a podcast in front of an audience, everything.
0: Yeah, because it... it I I agree a lot. I think it gives you the ability because you don't get as far on this journey as you've gotten by learning a lot about yourself. You know, the discipline that you said is a part that we we get into and we really have to hold on to at first, you know, pushing when you don't necessarily want to. And it's kind of like, eventually you come full circle on that. You enjoy it. So you don't need as much discipline. You're always going to need a healthy dose of it to to self-control, but you want to surrender to the flow of that too, so that you kind of very, very balanced and you're enjoying it. And it reminds me as you speak of the kind of cliched idea between the destination and the journey like that so many people it's all about the destination it's all about just you know when i'm shreddy kruger mm-hmm. i'm lord swaldemar my life is gonna be amazing <laughs> and then you get there and you're like all right yeah I feel good but it didn't it's not like complete like mm-hmm. i just keep going and now i fall in love with the journey and i get to have both and that's wonderful so and then I,
1: getting both you gotta go through both you gotta go through both. you gotta feel the ego portion yeah. feel good look good look good feel good yeah and then you'll start to feel good
0: look good later yes anyways Now, what's your story though? Because you mentioned that you you lost a lot of weight and you had to kind of chase that. And it's always been interesting to me to talk to different health and fitness professionals. They usually have some kind of journey of overcoming. They usually healed in a way or they figured it out for themselves. And now they want to tell their story through their movement, through their art. What was life like for you? Were you you always this athlete? Were you always this fit kid? What's what's the story though?
1: I was always into athletics. I played sports uh, competitively until I was practically 18 years old, my senior year. I was never really strict or disciplined with nutrition. Mm-hmm. I would always go practice for hours the sport, mm-hmm. I would always get more disciplined in the movement, um, but I couldn't seem to find the connecting piece for why I should eat smarter. Mm-hmm. Same thing on my conditioning. At the time, I never really pushed my conditioning so much I really pushed the skill. So I practiced the skill for hours and hours, but not necessarily the conditioning. Or the nutrition, And so I was never really super disciplined looking back at it, but I was always loving movement and mm. into the athleticism, the expressionism, the teamwork, the camaraderie, all of it. And basketball was my main squeeze for a long period of my life. At 18, I stopped playing. Um, I quit on myself. I quit on my team, you name it, looking back at it. Um, I didn't believe in myself anymore at that mm. same state. I no longer had a vision of becoming the next level athlete. And those two years, I really put on a lot of weight. I put on about 35 pounds of just straight body fat through not moving as much and eating more. So instead Mm -hmm. of going to do the things that made me feel kind of good, I just did the distraction, which Mm -hmm. was at the time, a lot of Oreos and fast food in the evenings. So for about two years there, I wasn't super active. And I eventually started to find my way back into the gym through a orientation class about health and wellness and just some general stuff. I had Mm -hmm. to take the elective. And as we were talking about, it, I was like, man, I've always liked sports, I've always been into movement. Maybe I would like to coach or be a physical therapist or mm-hmm. whatever. And at the time I had just gone through a little bit of physical therapy work. I had a lot of lower back issues because when I entered that health and wellness course, I was like, I'm going to get in shape. This mm-hmm. is my reason to get into shape is I'm taking this class. And I started to about six weeks in and because I didn't know my biomechanics when I was running with basketball shoes for Mm -hmm. long distance and I'd never ran before and I was overweight from the weight gain immediately I had lower back strains and sprains within like four weeks and I was off like I couldn't do anything without Mm. pain and I would go to PT and it started to feel better over time and so at first I was like I'm gonna be a physical therapist so maybe this is the track I'll go to and this was probably three to four months before transferring to a university, which I was like, this is where sororities are. These are where parties are. This is where I'm going to meet people, network. Like, This is my hibernation period here at this commuter school at the time. I'm learning about myself in these two years. I want to be at that next level when I get to university. And so I pushed myself in the gym for two and a half, three months, mm-hmm. found a routine to follow a basic hit training on a treadmill and a little bit of weight training some discipline, stopped eating so much chocolate and junk food. And I lost about 25, 30 pounds before moving to Orlando, Florida from Miami. When I moved there, I felt incredible, mm. unstoppable. Everyone, like, I'm going to have, I'm, I had an overwhelming feeling of confidence I've never had before. Um, And it took me a while to even see, like, I had abs, but it took me a while to see them. Mm. Myself, through my own body dysmorphia, people would always be like, you're so shredded, ripped. When I first got to Orlando, I was like, I think I'm leaner, but I don't see that. Mm. So it took me a while to start seeing that through some body dysmorphia. And that didn't last too long, those results. I would say within a year, maybe a little bit of change, I gained that weight back hmm. um, over the summer. I just lost the drive for the nutrition, my why. I allowed a lot of emotions and victimization to kind of take over my headspace. space. Um, And I I remember at the end of that summer, I had a picture of myself and I saw the new version or the old version Mm. I went back to in some ways and I was unhappy with the photo. I remember I looked at that photo and I was like, that's not me. Mm. The me I just experienced before, the way that guy looked, that level of discipline, that level of self-love, I need to get back to that. That's the energy I want to get back into. But this time i knew it can't be that same guy that same guy couldn't hold on to his results yeah right so there's got to be a bigger reason why i'm doing this yeah and so that semester going back to school i want to say it was my senior year within two and a half months this time i like burned 35 pounds got the most disciplined shredded i ever looked but also the most joy in the process ever mm. i couldn't wait to have my clean food I couldn't wait to go to bed on time I couldn't wait to not hit my snooze button in the morning because I knew where I was going I could Mm. see it every day that visualization of the man I wanted to become physically at least um and so that was a big piece of the second time of losing that relapse if you will was big for me to start finding a bigger reason to stay fit to take care of myself outside of woman or outside of vanity only I wanted to feel really good again. I wanted to feel even better than that past version.
0: Yeah, that, that's really powerful, man. It reminds me of, talk about the uh, the flavor of the motivation somebody uses to initiate a change. And uh, I'll see if this resonates with you, but a lot of the times the, the fuel source that we use to make a change is what we'd call away from motivation. So I'm moving away from something that I don't like about myself. I'm moving away from this, this guy I see in the mirror. I'm moving away from the pain of not having confidence. But the issue with that is then you can ride that for quite a while. You can get incredible results. You can look really good. But if you've trained yourself to always need to be running away from something and all of a sudden you have the thing that you thought was going to fix it. Well, now the pressure goes away and the old habits start to creep back in and all of a sudden it's i was up here and then i fell really hard and what happened and i'm looking at myself in the mirror and this new old version of me is back and it sounds like you then pivoted from away motivation to towards motivation mm-hmm. which is now i'm moving towards something greater, something transcendent, something bigger. And you mentioned this term, like, I didn't know my why. And we have a seven step framework here. And the last step, the actualization step is the why. Like, mm. what is your why? Why do we even want to be healthy? It's not just because it helps us increase lifespan and health span and confidence. It's it's almost something bigger. So what 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 is, what is your why? How is that evolving? How, how is it different now? Reflecting on that version of Jared that didn't have a why? And, and what is it that you anchor to now? What is it that you hold on to now?
1: I want to feel amazing and whatever does that for me, that's healthy for myself and others. I want to do as much of that as possible. So it's a me getting into the gym training is the highlight of my day. It's mm. the place where I am my most primal version. Sometimes my most warrior version, it is also a place where I'm sometimes my most scientist version, mm-hmm. my most methodical version, my philosopher version. And I use the the gym and training to slow down, to go in, to feel, to watch every millimeter of movement happening in my body. But I also have sessions where I just go crazy, yeah. and rage, and I let it out. And I also have training sessions where I throw a bell mm-hmm. and I flip it and I'm smiling the whole time you can't not see it same thing with the rope dancing and Mm -hmm. the steel mace dancing all the flow i'm doing i go to have a really fun time so training for me why i'm still doing it is now for many reasons Mm -hmm. i have many reasons why i want to go train i want to have fun i want to feel smart i want to feel powerful i want to feel confident and i want to feel love and these are all to me things happening when i go train
0: I, I love that and I really want the listener to clue into what you just said there because I think for a long time that people in the gym, the bros, it was just seen as kind of like a meathead endeavor that it was just about throwing weight around and it was just the primal but you're saying so much more there. You're, you're talking about this feeling of connection to your body and like this meditative element to it and this working out and working in and the, it's so much more than just muscles. It's the it's the connection. You said something that I resonate a lot with which is the it's the highlight of the day sometimes because it, it affords you a peace from mind almost entirely and you can slip into these different suits of the mad scientist experimenting with crazy movements versus the, you know what today i want to go balls to the wall i want to really just like test myself i want to push myself to the point where i don't think i can go anymore and mm. then find something in me to do one more round and then other days it's the yoga flow it's the stretch it's the yin, meditation. It's, the yang. It's, it's really cool and i really appreciate your range in that because i think for a lot of people movement is just suffering it's just a way to offset the calories that they eat or to earn the food on the weekend or something and it can be so much more right
1: yeah movement is feeling and if you can feel your feelings deeper because you're practicing mindfully every session you're going to start to know what you need when you train when you need it Mm. not based off the looks or the way the body's structured just by the way you feel Mm -hmm. i feel this way so today i need this Mm. and that doesn't mean i don't have to go to the gym I can go outside, you know, there's so many things or opportunities to still train on days that you don't want to go balls to the wall or your body feels like shit, then why go train? Mm. Like Go do stuff, go play, go explore, go rehab yourself through very methodical movement. That is for me movement meditation when I take the time to move extremely slow. That's the only reason I can move as fast as I can now is because that was my structure. Mm.
0: Yeah, like smooth looks slow, but that smoothness can be fast, right? Because mm-hmm. everything's integrated, everything is healed. You're ready to go. You're not constantly, you know, burning the candle at both ends, and you're you're really kind of finding balance. So as a as a as a trainer, as you've evolved, as you've spent a lot of this time kind of you know learning your own body and these methods, and now you're helping inspire hundred thousand followers on Instagram. You've got your clients. You've you've ran a gym. Now you've moved to Austin recently. You're acquiring new clients. You're teaching classes. What are some of the common mistakes? in in a person's movement journey that they might make that you would hope that somebody watching this could maybe avoid or or a way in which they could see training differently or approach it differently that might be something that'd be really beneficial?
1: You know, I don't want to just sell coaching, but I I do believe in coaching. Like having one-on-one mentorship, not just for training in many areas of life, is human optimization. If you want to make an experience optimal, find someone to guide you through your journey to Mm -hmm. optimize yourself. And so I think finding a very high quality coach is important. Um, If that's something that's not in the budget, you can research. Mm -hmm. If you're in your head about all that, just go move, Mm -hmm. go walk, do anything. Mm -hmm. Just start moving around and you'll figure it out. And if you're someone who doesn't want to go through trial and error because you don't want to suffer potentially those consequences, which there is pain there, then you ask for help. Hmm. ask for help maybe it's the guy next to you who you see looks great moving great feels great maybe you just ask him hey what do you think of my form here if they're lucky they'll
0: help you out yeah in my experience as well most people want to help you Mm -hmm. if they have the knowledge and the skills like i come from a brazilian jiu-jitsu background and it's always known for the quality of the community and that's because every black belt that you see in a gym when you walk in you might think oh my god what a badass you know Mm -hmm. but they were once the white belt the same dude that's lifting 500 pounds deadlift was once the guy that had to warm up with the bar and couldn't lift anything they want to pass on that knowledge and i think a lot of the times it's just extending that olive branch and saying hey you know what I need some help here. And your point about mentors and coaches is massive. I, I, For me personally, not just in the physical realms, but in the self-development realms, it's a cheat code. You're mm-hmm. basically going to look to someone that's further ahead yep. in a certain area of life that you aspire to be. And you can either pay them money or you know, work trade or service in some way to give a value trade to them and say, teach me what you know, hold me accountable to the process and what might otherwise would have taken me a year can take me... A month and mm-hmm. it's just such a powerful thing so I, I really agree with your you know philosophy there on hiring a coach and to your point there's a, an enormous amount of free information now too right yep. like you're putting out flows and, and all of that stuff but you're also educating you're talking about this stuff a little bit more you get in on podcasts now you're developing the why a little bit more behind what you see which can sometimes be like the manifestation of all of your skills all of the flash and you know they say Rome wasn't built in a day mm. but they were laying bricks every hour yeah So it's not that you just were naturally gifted and could juggle the way you do and do what you've done. You've been laying bricks for years now. What would you say are some of your foundational bricks that when you reflect now at where you're at and what you can do and your strength and the skills that you have, what are the things that got you here? You know, the consistent patterns, the movements, the, the, the philosophies that you've followed over the years to really build a body that can move in this way and a mindset that can operate in this way,
1: always keep your mind open to learning from people. Everyone technically has someone something to offer, but mm. asking for teaching, asking for those people that you respect in the industry, if they're moving and looking a certain way and their skill sets higher, just reach out and ask because you never know who's just going to, yeah, but like you said, really want to help you. And I think a big part of that is culture. That's something I really wanted to touch up on. I know this question, I don't want to lose the, the full yeah. thought here, but when you mentioned about Jitsu, I haven't done it yet or got involved with the culture, but also getting involved in a culture can yeah. be really great for you. Just getting involved with people who actually want to be around people Mm. that are stronger than themselves or raise them to another level so they can raise themselves anyways. It's Mm. kind of like, I'm going to push you up. You're going to pull me up. Then you're going to push me up. I'm going to pull you up. That's right. And I think finding the right kind of cultures, they'll deliver that help anyways, regardless of the service or, or anything like that. Yeah. I slipped a little bit on the last question.
0: So, Don't worry, so. that was a beautiful segue. I just wanted it. to like tell you like because that you just you thought uh-huh. I was like that's so powerful as culture. Yeah, so just finding culture. Let's pull on that thread because you recently moved from Florida. You moved to a Austin, Texas, out here, which is renowned for its fitness culture. And I, I believe that we absorb the values of our environment. So the company that we keep, the the kind of people we hang around, right? If those are the victimizing, blaming and complaining, doing nothing with the lives like you become that right? Or you can be around people that are strong and inspiring and entrepreneurial and ambitious, and you absorb that too, and you can rise to their level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always interesting to me that culture has the root word of cult in it. And we we <laughs> yes. we always joke here about join the cult, but mm-hmm. it's the best kind of cult because it's the cult about self-development and health. What's it been like for you to leave relative security in Florida? You were set up there to come to a place that's, you know, big and exciting and new and has got so many of these like big personalities And big minds and big visions, especially in the health space, and surround yourself in a new culture. What's that journey been like?
1: Uh, It's continued to be expansive. Um, It's hard, but fun and adventurous. Mm -hmm. And I'm having a blast figuring it out and navigating. Um, Mm -hmm. Being in a culture like on it and being able to contract out of there and work with their team is a blessing. It feels like a place of security in the sense of when I go there, there is no judgment. The way I want to train is the way I want to train. In a public gym, I can take my shoes off, and that's not fucking weird. Mm -hmm, I can do myofascial release and just be like, oh, well, I'm letting tension out of my body and no one's like, that's a weirdo. (laughs) And so just being in a more Mm judgment-free environment has been huge for me moving here and knowing that I have a safe space in that aspect to train and reground myself. And exactly what you said earlier about being around entrepreneurs, athletes, high performers. There are a lot of them going to on it or... People who are striving to be, mm-hmm. and so just being in that amped up energy is very motivating, uh, not only for myself but for many people. So, I think being a part of just on it has been huge for me, and grounding and continuing to root myself here.
0: Mm. Root yourself—that's an interesting term. I, I think about this a lot. We need to, you know, dig deep personal roots because there's always the next storm in life that's coming. You know, it could be. An accident that happens a loss of a loved one or something like that and when the storm comes and the winds pick up you need good roots mm-hmm. so you can kind of go with the flow but not topple over not ba- not break what what do you do outside of the gym because I'm, I'm sure your movement practice is a part of this but what mm-hmm. other things are allowing you to dig those personal roots you know give you presence give you control self-regulation what do you do outside of the gym to achieve that
1: I'm realistically and recently, honestly, just exploring this because I did realize that as grounded as I've been with the chaos of life and picking up and uprooting and all the things that have happened the last couple of months, training always grounds me. So that's Mm -hmm. priority number one. In a lot of ways, it's become that. Mm -hmm. But I'm recently learning that there's active recovery that is also really lighting me up. And that's something as simple as going for a 45-minute walk Mm -hmm. to an hour walk on my, with myself, with my dog. That's something as simple as going to Zilker park every Wednesday at 5.30, 6.30 and meeting up with a group of friends that I know are going to be out there doing some, maybe some kettlebell flip, maybe some mace, maybe mm-hmm. some rope, maybe just smoking and hanging, maybe mm-hmm. just being. And so to me, that's a nice place to find presence as being around again, more judgment people, but there's no pressure to perform here. Mm-hmm. We're coming every Wednesday out to play. And so again, like I know that's outside the gym. It's it's a gym. It's like movement, but it is outside the gym. That's just getting vitamin D. That's getting into the grass at the same time. It's being yeah. around good people. That's real connection. Um, and so I think that's another practice lately that I've been adding into my life. That's adding a lot of value. Cold plunge, contrast therapy is all beautiful to do too. Yeah. The last few days that really hit me hard. Of like, man, I need to spend more time getting back into that side of myself. Yes. So. I'm trying to think of what else is eh, it's kind of the big things right now yeah. that I've recently discovered literally like walking I was like wow how have I yeah. not just gone for?" I tell clients all the time who aren't that active yeah. go for a walk go for a walk but because I'm so active I'm like I'm not walking yeah right and so yeah recently doing that has been very powerful for my mind and my body
0: yes we focus a lot here on on just like healthy habits the things that are energy gaining for you not mm-hmm. always energy draining the walks the the level up practices like the cold plunge The again and those on the outside it can look quite extreme because i mean they are quite extreme yep. but the ability for you to self-regulate in those moments is very important but the power of community that you mentioned huge fans of grounding and sunlight and being around your people and touching the grass and playing on not playing or whatever it is um you you mentioned something i want to i'm curious because this is a you know it's with the more open conversation around weed and marijuana and smoking these days how do you approach it as a person that cares about your health in an intentional way to integrate it with this lifestyle or to integrate it with movement um you know so that this becomes a tool like what's what's that been for you in in your life and what does that tool uh, afford you
1: in the past it was a dependency for sure Hmm. um and as i've grown through my journey using it and Honestly, connecting with myself and gaining true confidence and self love and unconditional love for myself and others. We go back to what you said intention. Why are you doing this? I don't use weed to be lazy. I could, but I generally use it to connect Mm -hmm. to someone else, to my body, to my mind. I don't use it as a numbing tool so much. I use it as something to amp and get higher. Mm. And I think that I've People could maybe set intentions before just going at it. That could change the game for a lot of people who uh, are currently finding themselves in a cycle of, hey, I'm smoking and I'm passing out and I'm doing nothing or I'm watching TV and I'm eating because that's what everyone told me to do when weed happens. It's Mm. the best to do all these things, but that's not real recovery. That's not where real rejuvenation is. But if you can use that tool to amp other recovery methods and things that make you feel great about yourself and connecting with others and by all means, do your thing Yeah, Um, in moderation as much as you feel you need, you know yourself
0: the best. All things in moderation, include in moderation, right? Uh, the, the key word you said there is intention. And I get asked about this a lot. Like I said, there's a, a lot of people coming up, there's legalization of marijuana. I'm fully supportive of people's f- free will and choice to do whatever they will. And I think intention is is the power here. I, I'll often say that what separates a plant from a medicine versus a drug is the intention with which you use it, you know? And it's funny in this conversation, cause you know, some people still, oh, weed and drugs. and But the way in which people use caffeine can be drug-like. The way in which people use food can be drug-like yep. and it, it can all be that and it's all intentionality and you kind of mentioned a little bit of that too like the way in which in the past you might have used, used food in a similar way like mm-hmm. almost like a, a mouth pleasure a chasing cheap dopamine yep. a hedonic treadmill that that's that's a drug you know it, it's the same kind of thing so as you're evolving your whole thought process around more mindfully moving your body more mindfully choosing when and, and how to use these substances how's your relationship to food evolving because I know you did touch on that and I think it's it's a part it's a big part of everybody's life we do it you know, mm-hmm. two to three times every single day. And there's a there's a there's there's an aspect of choice in there. So how's your journey with food evolving? And tell me the story there.
1: For me, what I'm working through the last few months, honestly, since moving here, so it's been very expansive being around specific people and just sitting with things myself is I want freedom. I don't want to feel like I'm a slave to anything. Mm. And I want movement freedom. I want people freedom. I want financial freedom. And I want food freedom. And that means that when prior, I'd say like, Six months ago, before the move, I think I lost about 15 pounds within that two months getting ready to move to Austin. I was allowing food to choose me. I would allow the protein bars to choose me. I would not choose it when I wanted it Mm. or when I needed it. I would choose it when I felt I wanted it. I was looking for that short-term gratification. Same thing in the evening. I was having a lot of ice cream or just processed shit. Mm. and A big part of that was an addiction. It chose me. I didn't choose it, and I think once I recognize that I am not free, that I'm the food's bitch, mm. I was not okay with that. When I really sat with that, and mm. I was like, I don't want to feel like that's controlling me. I'm I'm stronger than that. I want to yeah. be stronger than that. So I need to take control, and that means that I'm not going to pleat I'm not taking away ice cream. I fucking love ice cream. <laughs> I love brownies. I love cookies. Yeah. I like tequila. Mm-hmm. I like- I'm going to have it when I want to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for me, that's, that's a new journey of becoming. Of When I'm around people who I feel are judgment-free and in a similar frequency with unconditional love, maybe I'll have tequila with that person. That kind of people, mm-hmm. I believe, are my people to have an experience with something that could enhance right, or take away. Mm-hmm. If I was around other, another vibration that was in a different frequency, that might not be a great experience going to drink with them. Mm. And so food, I'm starting to find in the same way, like, man, one of our big love languages is food. Naturally, like when I hang out with an old friend, I usually just want to eat a shitload of amazing food with them, pizza, like mm-hmm. all the amazing food, the instant gratification foods. Instead of saying like, you know, I have my friend coming in in two, three weeks. Ice cream really isn't what I want today. But you know, I would like to have some with my friend, and so I'll, I might plan out and think about intentionality-wise: mm. when am I going to have this food? Why am I going to have this food? Again, coming back to the why, that's newer for me and something I'm working on with, yeah, my current journey of food, food freedom.
0: Yeah, it it's it just it's a very uh, responsible way of approaching life that if you make everything a choice and you own the choice in that, like I'm I'm choosing to say no to this right now because it doesn't serve my goals. And mm-hmm. I can also choose to loosen the reins a little bit sometimes because I'm choosing to celebrate life with my grandma's famous cheesecake, mm-hmm. which is OK. If I ate that every single night without thinking about it purely because it's delicious, it's not serving my higher self. It's not me being the best version that I could be. And we we have to have some semblance of order in the chaos, right? It's yep. too much flow and we're all over the place. <laughs> too much discipline and we, we put a chokehold on life and we suck the fun out of it. And that's why I love this idea of like an 80-20 principle. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I get most of it right most of the time, it gives me so much freedom to come to Austin and go a little bit outside of the food rules because this restaurant and this social gathering and this experience is potentially worth more or I can let go of the stress of it well you know it's it's got gluten or it's mm-hmm. you know got this thing that doesn't work for me and I think there is that that's health too because people can have a very unhealthy obsession with health on both ends. You know, you can be so healthy that it becomes a source of stress. Mm -hmm. And on the other extreme of the spectrum, you can be so lacking in any kind of awareness or discipline that you're treating your body like a fairground. And it's usually that the truth is in the balance and that's somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah, and something I want to touch up on that balance and, you know, the extreme, the polarities, I recently had a discussion with a great friend of mine, Justin Lovato, about, you know, we are 4 d Beings living in a 3D experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm love and I'm my highest frequency all the time. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm here down on Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here to live a 3D life. Pleasure's a part of that. Mm-hmm. Experience is a part of that. Fucking up is a part of that. I'm not always gonna strive to be 4D while I'm in this suit. What the hell's the point of living then? Mm-hmm. In this experience, if we're not gonna find joy and yeah, let's have some cake tonight. Mm-hmm. Let's have some ice cream. Let's have a little tequila. Let's let's do Let's human
2: yeah let's, let's human
1: be. a little bit that's a part of it in my opinion the yeah. experience um i mean because that's what culture brought up yeah as well but being a part of the culture is being human
0: yeah yeah and like life is meant to be lived you know it's a very participatory game it's not meant to be lived from the sidelines judging or suffering and and not being able to go with the flow sometimes because life has become almost too serious it, it, it's mirrored very much in the way in which you approach movement you know there's a lot of flow and there's a lot of play and there's that balance of structure too I'm sure like you'll see the kettlebell flows, but what you don't see is the foundational strength work. You don't see all the time the foundational mobility work. So it's very uh, similar overlaps here. I, I do like this philosophy of how we do one thing is how we do most things. And the way in which you train will mirror the way in which you eat, which will mirror the way in which you interact with people. And it's a it's a wonderful thing because usually we get very good at one thing and then we start to see, ah, oh, the principles are broadly applicable. Like I can take the way that I've approached training and see that I've kind of throughout the diet thing for a while because I'm a mega burner. I'm training people all day. I can eat what I want and look like how I want. But at that some point it opens up this, oh, but that's not how I want to be. I want to be more intentional. I want to be more, but I also want to not lose myself in the process, become too rigid, become too stiff. Because like you said, that that's not life. And I, wanted to, I made a point to come back to this because I really wanted to touch on this with you because you mentioned body dysmorphia and I think it's a really important topic and it's an important topic for men because they often don't talk about this. Mm. But as you've kind of exploded in the Instagram world over the last year or so and really built a following, you're, you're on display, right? And I've seen this in myself and, and I feel it and I wanna have a chat with you about it. This constant comparison. You know, we say comparison is the thief of joy and, and it robs us of that because whilst you might be getting complimented left, right and center from people about how strong you are, we often look at ourselves through quite a critical and judgmental eye and we don't often see that what people experience because, but I'm not him or I'm not that way. How have you been able to, you know, like what, what's coming up for you there and how have you been able to manage that as you are in the online space, which can be so much about the way the meat suit looks and all of that stuff. Like how do you ground yourself in that? How do you practice a healthy balance?
1: Mm-hmm. I went through an experience uh, when I was running my training facility about a yearish ish in, um, I started to go on autopilot and I, I am and was blessed enough to have a couple clientele who were really familiar with the feelings of being around me eventually called me out. Mm. They're like, you're not here. And I was like, oh my God, no one's ever told me that before. This sucks. Like mm. what's going on? And at the time I had been going through a lot of financial distress at the gym. I just ended things with a business partner, was surfing couches, just finding flow, figuring things out. And a part of that journey was at the time letting go also of the expectation of instagram Mm. of okay if i post things will will take off or if i connect with this person they're gonna save me Mm. their reshare and their repost is gonna fix my my stuff and so i really leaned into myself after i realized like my clients like i'm a leader to them so let me lead me let me lead them like that should be the only thing i'm focused on not on what this incredible influencer at on it or this incredible influencer in California is doing. I don't know their life. I'm doing incredible things and it took me a while to sit with like, just because I'm not on display in the way they are, I don't have to hate them. I don't, I don't have to have any distaste for them. I can respect that, but I need to respect myself and know, damn, just cause I'm not doing influencing doesn't mean I'm not influencing. Mm. doesn't mean I'm not inspiring. And so that was something that really hit me in social media about three years ago when it started to take off more. I started to stop giving a shit hmm. about what I was putting out in the sense of what would happen from it. What would I get out of that? So a few years ago, I really let go of that expectation of comparison when it came down to followings, the way, yeah, the following was that's so much bigger, what's the what's my impact? like how am i gonna how am I gonna figure this shit out like the the, the real estate is already all taken. So that was something I went through a few years ago. And I think without the right unconditional love around me, who really knew me, I don't know how, how fast I would have come out of that. My mm. clients coached me back. which is very awesome. cool. Yeah. Um. So that was a piece of at least like Instagram when it comes down to following mm. and all that stuff. I really realized who I'm really impacting. And that was, that was huge for me. Just having a facility, the 20, 30 people, that's plenty. Yeah. I don't need to impact millions. Yeah. You know, it's cool if it does, but like, they're my people already. Yeah, let me live with them first. Like, let me really step into my best version with them. So I think that was the beginning of letting go of the comparison and the expectations on Instagram. When it comes down to my physique, um, I, I I can move this way and you move this way. Yeah, it's cool. You look amazing. I'm so happy for you. But I move like this, and I feel so incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do or look like. <laughs> I feel so. Like we have to have that balance of like I suck, but I'm incredible, mm-hmm. I'm amazing, and I'm the worst. But, like, but when it comes down to my physique, which is the way it's represented and looks, is a part of my food decisions. Yes, but it's also part of my movement practices. I have no care if you have super amazing abs compared to me. I move with such in such a way that's so me. Mm. I don't care.
0: Yeah. That's what everybody really wants too is that feeling they, I think, I think people think they want the way it looks and often the way it looks can be a manifestation of the way that it feels, but more than anything else, people just want to feel Mm. happy. They want to feel confident confident in their own skin. Yeah. And when you know
1: your movement is, I know I perform that the most optimal way possible It was better than last time for show. Mm. You're getting more confident. It's more motivating to yourself. Had someone also, um, a while back, a friend of mine asked me, he goes, you know, There's this other kettlebell juggler and they do the same exact move you do, but it looks different. Do you ever think about that kind of stuff? And I was like, yeah, I mean, realistically, they have longer arms than me, Mm -hmm. so I have to maneuver my body differently than they do to get there. Mm. I'm different, but I'm still doing the same thing, but in my own way. Yeah. So again, there's no reason to compare. I don't know what got them there. And it's funny because if you actually take the time to ask, what got you here? It's way more relatable, and you have way more understanding instead of any kind of comparison. Yeah. One of my good buddies in the kettlebell juggling world, Daring One Hundred and One, seems Colin's really incredible uh, man and leader and father and all the things. Good, great person. He's, in my opinion, one of the best and one of the most amazing to watch. But I asked his background when I got to connect with him, and he goes, "Oh, I, I danced. I, you know, mm. The dancing. I always was at the club, the bars. Like, he had a lot of rhythm." His whole life, he was, not in my opinion, scared to step onto the dance floor mm. to, p- to perform, not for everyone else, let alone for himself. I had never accessed that until the last couple of years. How could I compare me to him? Mm-hmm. There's no point. That's 30, 40 years of different experience than me. Yeah, I got a lot of time to go. <laughs> I hope
0: yes absolutely absolutely and i think yeah like to that point of just remembering that we are all different and we're not supposed to be carbon copies and and that we can look to other people for inspiration and ideas but let's just leave it at that let's not play the vanity metric game let's let's not tie myself worth up in i should be further along than i am and let's just again fall in in love with the journey and the process and i think um you know, coming back to, to what you do now and realizing that your influence wasn't necessarily in having a certain amount of followers online, that your influence is who you influence on the daily and, and that stepping into that's that's all to do with me being the leader that I can be. How are you influencing people now in, in this community with your classes? What are you doing? Like, I know you're dabbling your toes into the entrepreneurial, like online space. Like what's, what's happening there? What's that world like and evolving for you? And what's that teaching you? More
1: ownership. Um, more accountability. People do need structure, so I need to get better as a coach, I'm more disciplined. Like right now, that's what the, I'm just becoming more. That's what I'm. When I'm expanding. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to find I have to help in new ways. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to bump into more online, I need to learn from other online coaches and see their systems. And I want to touch up on something you said. I'm not going to compare me to you. If I am, I'm really just inspired by you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not telling you that I'm inspired by you. And I think when most of us are getting jealous or envious,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're really that's just that's just uh that's love <laughs> in a different form, mm-hmm. in a different translation. It's like I'm jealous of you because I'm inspired by you. Yeah. Else why would I be taking the time to be jealous of you unless I'm literally motivated by you? Yeah. And I think when we don't say that and communicate that love, it turns into this other frequency.
0: Yeah. I have a, a quote I've said before that um envy or jealousy interchangeable is your unlived potential projected onto another Mm. so if i look at jared and i'm like man jared's so good and i can't juggle that way and look how many followers he's got and i get some envy in me or jealousy it's got nothing to do with you it's got to do with me that like i'm seeing reflected in you what what what's possible in me But it's easier for me to just get up into my animal brain and just be like, oh, he must have just got lucky and instead of being like, "Ah, that's so cool and that's inspiring and how can I like reflect that back into me and just see that what I'm feeling right now is just an untapped potential that you're showing me is possible, you know, and that's how we can use other people in the world as a mirror and I think dropping the worry as well maybe of what other people might think is a big one, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a, I think I heard Mark Manson say the quote, you'd, you'd care far less about what people thought about you if you realized how little they do. Like nobody's <laughs> thinking about <laughs> you, man. Nobody, you know, we're all too caught up in our own stuff. It's yep. it's complex, this human stuff. And when we put ourselves out there in the world on Instagram, I think we we, we have a tendency naturally to, to worry about that. What, what will they think, how will this come off? How do they think I look, et cetera. But 99 times out of hundred, people are just like, oh, that's cool, and they move on because they're all too busy doing their own humaning, you know? Yep. Yeah. With, with if you were to have a you know some kind of magic wand that you could wave where you could prescribe movements to gen pop you know the average person the person that needs help right now it's 88 percent of this country is metabolically unwell Mm that don't move well what are maybe three to five movement patterns uh, that you would like to see people do more of like and it could be as simple as walking but what's some stuff that comes up there that you think would be really beneficial for people to take away let's say a listener is they're into the diet stuff and they're doing all that but they haven't moved much like what what's something you'd be telling kind of a, a beginner to start looking at to to you know develop a movement practice
1: i vote explore like you really got to try tools out maybe like just because one position isn't your position doesn't mean you won't find a transition that is mm. and so sometimes if the, like the kettlebell is caught like if the kettlebell is shiny to you and you're like that looks cool go try it mm. and if you try it and it's not your cup of tea but you want it to be you learn the fundamentals. You learn the roots. So I would say exploration, movement exploration, that's just super important for self-discovery. When it comes down to gen pop, like my scientist brain goes into like, what are my general trends? I think you asked that earlier, like of what's going on right now. A lot of people are walking around in pain. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are walking around in knee pain, hip pain, low back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, all pain, foot pain, you name it. Pain takes away from presence. Mm-hmm. If I'm thinking about my pain right now, instead of being here, this experience isn't gonna be as magical as it could be for us, let alone the viewers, let alone the culture. So getting pain free is my highest priority as a coach. So when I talk about education, for example, if I have a new person coming to me, you're gonna learn something that's called the 3D lunge matrix. Mm-hmm. When your foot is rooted in one spot, if I ask you to move here or here, oh, excuse me, or in front of that cup. Or even if I ask you to put your left foot over here, can this foot stay rooted? Mm. Because we are living in a 3D world. We move 3D, our bodies are designed to. So that's one prescription I give out as a lunge matrix. And that came from my buddy, uh, CJ, Movement Explorer channel, who works over at gymnasium. And I believe they worked with Gray's Institute, just doing my best to source. Mm. Movement is always rediscovery, but doing my best here. Um, and so that's the first thing I consider that like flossing, mm-hmm. move 3D. If you're someone who sits all day, do that little Tai Chi thing takes you five minutes, three to five minutes, and you'll move in every way and your fibers will thank you for it. You'll feel so much better. And you don't even have to work out. You don't mm-hmm. have to work out super hard. You just feel better, less pain. You're going to operate better in your career and in your life and in your relationships. So that's one thing I would give out. The second thing I would give out is understanding your true hip stability, mm. making sure your hips are actually stable. If one cheek is higher than the other, you're going to probably have some lower back pain. So really learning how to optimize your hip stability to me is super imperative Understanding the spinal engine, so the connection between our hip through our lats, how we rotate through. This thing, like a dog and cat, when they walk really fast, mm-hmm. we have the same thing. Think of a baby that crawls. Mm. They're crawling. Right knee goes to right elbow. Left knee goes to left elbow. That constant shift is happening through our spinal engine. So that's another principle I teach is understand that. And I got that from David Weckley. i on university. I went to go get coaching, mentorship, yeah. et cetera. And something else I'm really big on teaching is gait. Mm -hmm. The way you walk. If every step is a rep, you better make sure, in my opinion, it's a quality rep or Mm -hmm. else we're going to wear and tear. When I was working in my physical therapy internship in college and I kept seeing uh, knee uh, knee replacement, hip replacement, low back bulging disc, neck bulging disc from all these inactive people, the only activity they're doing is sitting or walking. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do that, you better get really, really, really amazing at sitting and walking. And there are ways to do it that Mm. optimize it, that if you take the time to learn or invest in a coach who knows, you're going to get out of pain through learning these positions and you're going to have a more aesthetic body, which is going to feel really good too. Your glutes will get bigger and whatnot because Mm -hmm. you use them more. Mm. So those are most of the principles. I would say it's 3D lunge matrix, spinal engine and hip stability, understand your gait. And um, learn how to relax, how to decompress. Because if we're all walking around stiff all the time and we don't know how to breathe, mm. breathing's another big one that people hear all the time when I'm talking in, in a workout or I'm training them. I'm like, hey, breathe. And I'll do it every few minutes when I get a new person, mm-hmm. probably every 30 seconds if I need to. Because most people aren't breathing during the transitions, let alone the conversation, mm-hmm. let alone anything. So if we can get you to breathe more, um you're going to feel more and you're going to be more aware of what's going on
0: yeah there's so much good stuff there man i'm sure you're familiar with the The Chinese proverb, uh, a person's only as old as their spine. So let's mm. keep spines moving. Mm-hmm. Let's keep them playful. The walking thing, so underrated. The gait that you said, yeah. like, and how much dysfunction is potentially happening there. Not only because, I love that. Every step is a rep, by the way. I'm going to steal you. that one. <laughs> share it. Share it with me. <laughs> and, um, but the the footwork too, right? And I see you're a guy with barefoot. You've trained barefoot, like the function of the foot, restoring the foundation. And again, start slowly. You can't just, you know, start deciding you're a barefoot runner and go run 10K because you'll, you'll feel that. Oh, but yeah. Right, train in the body, life is practice is what I'm hearing you say. The way in which you practice breathing or slumping down or practicing bad reps is ingraining your system and you're gonna have to fuck the bill for that one day. So and there's balance. If you're
1: gonna live like that, you better train the opposite in my opinion. Yeah. Because I'll be honest right now, I'm not, I'm not on. You
0: undo the damage. I'm not as
1: anything. on as I could be. Right. I'm at 60, 70%, mm-hmm. but I train at 100. So if I can walk out of that training session, living my body optimization at 70 because I do enjoy shrugging. I do enjoy the forward protraction of my shoulders. It feels good on my rib cage. Yeah. I don't always want to load my hips. Yeah. Sometimes I want that low back stretch.
0: Yeah. But awareness is key. Yeah. I had, uh, Aaron Alexander, who's another Austin guy and is a big movement. Yeah. Guy like and- podcasts. Yes, that's right. Following him. And he said something really cool about posture. Cause he's like, everybody's, um, you know, thinks that perfect posture is this constantly, okay. Like, like straighten the spine and like, you know, imagine I've got a blue in Mm -hmm. my head and there's a time and a place for that. But he basically said that your your next position is your best position. And that posture is just an adaptive thing that we're always moving. We're sitting, we're changing. And sometimes you're slumped and sometimes you're really open, but it's just about the awareness. Like you said, if I'm aware that I've spent um, a couple of hours in this pattern now, well, when I get outside and I put my feet in the grass and I go, okay, let me open up again. Let me expand. And that again becomes another thing that movement can offer you as a tool for mindfulness, just like the breath, just like, pushing pause am i am i where my feet are right now or am i up here in the ether worrying about tomorrow or regretting what happened yesterday well how do we get there we can check in with the body we can take a breath we can pause we can become intentional and we start to see that everything that we do you know matters there's no neutral you know it's like inputs and outputs and if we just start to be a little bit more intentional i think it can carry people a long way
1: i only add one more principle that you reminded me of okay um, that I received from one of my mentors and coaches, uh, Alex Canellas from Landmine University, which is a big part of how I train yeah. now is that Landmine. Positions before transitions mm-hmm. is the last principle I want to add to that. Mm-hmm. It might have should have been the first mm. because if we can position ourselves in a way that we feel so stable, now we can talk about transitioning to the next position because we'll go back to stability in that instability. Mm. So we first got to learn the stability. In my head, the discipline before we just start flowing. Yeah. And so a lot of how I train is in millimeters of movement, it's very slow, methodical movement, especially when I first started, when I got into the game of all this flow. I remember a few months in, I was like, okay, it's cool, but I have pain here, in mm-hmm. here, and here. I don't like that. And so slowing down and moving millimeter by millimeter, that discipline. That mindful movement, that's what keeps my transition smooth. That's what keeps me safe and able to continue to transition from each position. So positions before
0: transitions. You know, it's very interesting about that. We talked about jujitsu a little bit. There's a, a trope in jujitsu that it's position before submission. Mm. So there's very, uh, there's a lot of similarities to what you just said there. It's really owning the position, settling in, being aware of all of the moving components before just rushing to the fancy move or rushing to the heavy snatch. And there's a, a lot of parallels there, which is really cool. And uh, jujitsu is is very complex, 5D chess with the body. You know, mm. I think you you'd really like it. I man. keep
1: getting told, and so I'm I'm thinking about reaching out to Six Blades. Yeah. Um, I, I like uh, S- Sanchi over there Ruby Hero yeah.
0: um, so we'll see what, what comes yeah. in the next couple of weeks but I, the mirror The universe. This is like it keeps coming. Yeah. (laughs) So and you you just happen to land. I mean, we've got a few guys here that train, and there's Tenth Planet here. There is uh, Gordon Ryan's gym here. There's B Team Jiu Jitsu. So if you're not into that space, that doesn't mean much. But basically, Austin, Texas has recently become the mecca for Jiu Jitsu too. Mm -hmm. So you 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 know you're obviously a very talented and driven individual, and I'm sure the athleticism and the flow that you've got, I just think you'd really like it. And I think there's something you love the primal. I know you love Mm -hmm. to throw that heavy sandbag around, like when you lock horns with another guy in a sacred environment you guys could just get at it and then you can high five afterwards and share some laughs there's something very uh divinely masculine about that you know yeah yeah I can see
1: that I can feel that same thing when we train with each other yeah it's coming from love
0: like I want you to get stronger exactly yes the last question I want to ask you is just I want you to try and put me in your head when you are in the flow state that I from the outside looking in when you're juggling like you said there's a big smile on your face and you're just you're having fun and it looks so bloody smooth Like it's dance, like you said, with your friends, example. What's going on there, there? or is there nothing going on? Is that the state of no mind? Like tell tell the listener, like, and if they've not seen videos, please check out the crazy trainer on Instagram and watch some of these flows because they're beautiful to watch. You're making art with the body and with this giant cannonball with a handle. What's it like to experience that?
1: The beginning experience, the beginning of this journey of finding flow is extreme focus, extreme association. When you're learning in the beginning Mm -hmm. and you know that you can get the skill, that 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 trick down, it's it's a taste away. Mm. Like you keep hit you keep missing it millimeter, but you know you're getting closer every time. It's like entrepreneurship. It's like so many other things in life where we access that flow state, that playfulness, that hours have gone by of me mm. dropping the kettlebell over and over. I'm having fun. Eventually you might get a little frustrated. Yeah, yeah. But but when you find that flow in anything at work you can't. You tend to do it often. Mm. So that was was the first sensation I, I got from starting to find flow with the mace, the kettlebell, the rope, the landmine even. At this point, I used it sometimes to completely disassociate. Mm-hmm. So you might walk by me when I'm flipping. I literally don't. I can't even see you. Mm-hmm. I might feel you for a second, but if I felt you, then I took away from my moment mm-hmm. of me and the bell making love. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, I'm so disassociated and associated at the same time when I kettlebell flow. It's kind of like walking, what we talked about earlier. Like Mm -hmm. it's on. I'm. It's so automated at this point that I can kind of turn off. Yeah. That's what the kettlebell has become for me when I flow. I am at peace. Nothing else really exists. If I'm learning something new, then that playfulness and exploration and childlike energy comes right back. So when you see me get a new trick down, I've probably been in that state of mind for a while and it's definitely transmuting into yes. my relationships and into my friendships that newfound childlike energy and play. So that I think is what I went through and what I still go through when I'm learning new patterns and, and new tricks and because there's still a whole undiscovered world there. It'll be the same thing with jiu-jitsu. I know Absolutely. I'm going to find extreme fluidity and flow in the beginning. Yeah. And I talked to one of my clientele who's a black belt. Love you, Mike um, out in uh, San Antonio and he was talking about why I should also go into jujitsu because he's going through that same process yeah. has been as a black belt. And when he entered the kettlebell and the mace, he got to re experience this playful flow state. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think what I'm pretty much going through. And if I have the right music in my ears, like it can be transcendental. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can get crazy downloads like meditation. Yeah. Movement meditation for me is very real with the bell. Yeah. Um, reflection on the experience sometimes too is also big for me
0: yeah it's wonderful i think it's uh pretty cool what can happen when we like get out of our heads and we lose the self for a little bit and there's just this something else moving you know jujitsu is a very interesting example because one minute you can be being absolutely squashed and you know you can't breathe and then the next minute you're just like you know, it's a few rounds have passed, and you're like, I wasn't even there, and I was just in it. You know, and it's uh, whether 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 you find this through movement, whether you find it through bells or whatever, it it, it doesn't matter. I think the, the the goal here is to know that there are many paths that lead up the mountain. And what we're all seeking is presence. What we're all seeking is to play again. And if if that journey takes you down the movement path, that's wonderful. And I think we both resonate with that because it, it really connects us to our body, but that could be knitting and sewing and mm-hmm. art and playing music. Video and games for some people, you got to find the flow. You're you've got to find concept. the flow. So find, find the flow, my friends. <laughs> all right brother it's a, an amazing conversation and as is tradition on this show we always uh, have a caller on that has a question and we'll we'll feel the question and uh we'll see what we've got going today and we'll see if there's anything to offer uh sometimes the nutritional base so i'll kind of take the lead and if you want to add anything from a training perspective feel free to do so man so amazing. let's see who we've got on the line today looks like we got a, a mr ray from georgia what's going on ray
3: yeah, how you doing? Uh, this is Ray. I'm actually from the Bronx. I'm from New York City. I just recently moved down to Georgia. Ray, I Did would never, sound and, like uh, I would never
0: have guessed. Yeah, the <laughs> accent was very. Do sound like the Bronx, though. So. <laughs> it's nice to have you on the line, man. What can <laughs> we <up>, all <laughs> you?
3: Thank you. It's very nice to meet you guys. So, um, basically, um, my, my call today is about. Um, I've been on this journey since 2016, and um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. Ah, uh, back in 2016, I think I was misdiagnosed at first. They mm. they had told me I just had a thyroid. It is uh, hereditary in my family. My mother had it her whole life. My sister had it her whole life. I never had it. In 2016, um, I stopped smoking cigarettes for a few years, and when I did that, I was working for uh, an engineering firm on Wall Street, and I started to gain weight. And I thought, why am I gaining weight? I've never had this problem in my life. You know, uh, as a younger kid, I'm 41 now. But as a younger kid, I always was like, you know, I wasn't muscular or anything like that. I was always 180, 190, 5'10". And and as, uh, uh, you know, I got older, um, now I'm working on Wall Street in 2016. I started to gain about 40, 50 pounds. Now it was a little bit different of a job. You know, I was more in the office and not really out in the field as much. Hmm. So I'm thinking... You know you know how they say, when you stop smoking cigarettes, you eat more. Mm. So I thought it was from that, original. I went to the doctor. They diagnosed me with a thyroid disease. And I said, okay, you know what? My mother has it. My sister has it. So they got to be right. So they put me on some medication. I was on that medication for about 18 months. They didn't do a thing for me. And uh, finally went to a sports doctor um, who was a cardiologist in uh, Westchester County, New York. And uh, he was a chief of medicine at a hospital on Wall Street and also had a, a private practice up in Westchester County and when I went up there he, he was the one that let me know that I have this Hashimoto's disease. however, I have never believed from the beginning that I have had this disease you know I, I don't know and I don't want to get into the specifics about that hmm. but I don't want to take up too much time but um, so basically he put me on uh, medication uh, you know a synthroid as well as a different type of you know an armathyroid and I began taking those things. And then back then, uh, it was, it was relatively new for regular patients to be able to have access to sports medicine and things that athletes take, you know, it was relatively new at the time. I wouldn't say it was brand new, but it was relatively new and he was pushing me in the direction. I had a low testosterone at the time, Hmm. uh, in the 100s. you know, and this is in my mid thirties. Yeah. So, um, put me on testosterone, and put me on a growth peptide with some HCT. Mm. And uh, and I was on those things on and off. Now, it was very expensive back then because the uh, the, the insurance does not cover that stuff. Uh, and, um, and you know, when it, when I first started taking it, the, the whole package was about, about $1,000 a month. And I, I really couldn't sustain it every single month. You mm. know what I mean? So I would be on it for six months, off for a few months, on it for six months off for a few months, things like that over the years. Uh, and then my mom got sick uh, with uh, with cancer in 2017, and uh, it was basically just me and her. I was living in a co- uh, townhouse up in Yonkers, and I, I, I moved back to the Bronx to take care of her for two years while I was going through that. So I really didn't have too many problems while I was going through that. Um, I was, I, I've always been a healthy somewhat eater, you know, on and off. So, I've, you know, for the last 10, 12 years, I've been eating a lot of bison. Uh, I enjoy it. I like bison and stuff like that. It's more of a leaner meat. And um, but, but I had my priorities backwards, I guess, in terms of this animal-based diet. Mm. I really, really didn't know anything about it yet. And, um, you know, I was consuming on a daily basis, you know, bison with vegetables and uh, string beans and things like that. You know what I mean? And really didn't know that these things, like the vegetables and stuff, might not have been good for me and stuff. So, um, I continued on that trend. My mom passed away. Then, uh, uh, COVID hit when COVID hit. Um, I was just getting married, just got married right before COVID hit. Um, and, uh, COVID wasn't really the best for me because at the time when I got married, I had just, I had just buried my mother. And now my mother-in-law was, was, was dying and she was sick, bedridden. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, um, I had to kind of get rid of my my place and and move move in there and take care of the mother and uh, and, and my wife. My wife has some underlying conditions. She has like you know ulcer- she had like ulcerative colitis and mm. things like that. So there were there were a few obstacles during the uh the you know the whole COVID time. So the first few months during COVID, I'd say for about four or five months, you know I had to make a decision for my family and I said you know what I'm gonna I'm not going to work. You know, in New York, it was a little different. You can you can uh, you can be furloughed by your company, and you can collect uh, uh, you know pandemic assistance and things like that. So for about four or five months, I wasn't working. I was just home, and uh, you know, because of my mother-in-law being severely ill, you know, I'm bleaching every product that comes in the house. I'm going to hmm. you know going to supermarkets trying to trying to keep the contagion down, bringing anything in the house. Uh, you know, and then in 2021. Um, Finally, you know, she has a son also. I, I really had just been through the mill with my mom and then got married, and then I felt myself back in this cycle of, of you know, now taking care of my mother-in-law, and I really just mentally couldn't do it. You know, I needed her, her brother to come in there and take care of the mother. We got out of there. We moved down to Georgia, and um, the last couple of years I've been eating somewhat healthy. Uh, my, my real question and 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 uh, and thing uh, topic I want to talk about today is is this Hashimoto's and you know so in 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 uh in this past year on New Year's I got sick and I didn't really know what was going on I had like some tingling feeling in my upper chest and some 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 tingling feeling in my throat some problems swallowing and things like that so uh, and that was on New Year's Eve. So I went to the doctor. They did a sonogram of my thyroid. Um, they had found a couple of nodules a few years ago,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: uh, those nodules had dissipated because they did biopsies on them and they were fluid-filled. Now I go back for sonograms, and on the opposite side of my neck, they, they find about ten to fifteen of them
2: mm-hmm.
3: on, on the left side of my neck. So you know th- that's something that I always have to monitor and and things like that. And I'm I'm pretty sure that you know I do have some sort of hormonal issue. And um, But I don't know if it's full-blown Hashimoto's. So, uh, you know, I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor because the, my, my endocrinologist really didn't have any answers for me. My blood work was was fine, you know, with me being on the medication and things like that. And didn't really want to do too much because, you know, uh, they don't want to aggravate or upset anything in the thyroid. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely necessary. So I uh, uh, in, in in March I, I found you guys online. Um, I found Paul and I found um, Heart and Soil, and I ordered I ordered some of the supplements and I and I began this change into the animal based diet. Mm-hmm. So I, I cold turkey cut Starbucks and and now I just to let you guys know for for about twelve years I've been drinking four espressos over ice every day in a plastic Starbucks cup. You know, and these are real bad things. And mm-hmm. then also, uh, this, this one thing, uh, I, I think could be contrib- or could have been contributing to it. And I didn't know anything about it. I've been wearing polyester boxes for 12 years.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
3: So, you know, that could have been a contributor to my testosterone being low when I, you know, first was diagnosed by that sports doctor back in 2016. So that could have been a contributor to that and it could have also been messing with my hormones as well and i never stopped it even though i was on this medication and you know when i first started to take in the testosterone and the and the growth and all that stuff back in 2016 i lost like 90 pounds right off the, the rip in like three hmm. months just from being on the medication and not doing any exercise whatsoever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so so when i when, when i felt got sick again this year Um, you know, I'm saying something's got to give you, I got to figure out what the hell's going on here and I got to make some changes, you know? So just off the, off the top, I'll tell you that I do smoke cigarettes and I do smoke pot. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my wife smoked cigarettes, my wife smoked pot. I never had an addictive personality. I can pick up and put things down at the drop of a hat, you know, at my will, because that's just the type of person I am. But now I'm married and, you know, it's a little bit tougher when I got to go to the store, get cigarettes for her or Mm -hmm. when I got to get pot for her because now it's there in front of me. My whole philosophy was if I'm if I'm not around it or if I don't go buy it, if it's not around me, I can drop that in two seconds. So it's a little harder this time around, you know, to put down the cigarettes, put down the pot and really get into, you know, exercising and doing things of that nature, you know, being active. I'm a building. I'm a building inspector. I've been a building inspector for the last 15 years and I am somewhat active on the job site. So, I've, uh, you know, I am getting a little bit of exercise and movement and being out in the sun all day from that. But in terms of uh, uh, working out, it's been since about 2012, 2013 that I was lifting. And, you know, back then I was a little, you know, I was jacked. I was on testosterone and mm-hmm. other things and, you know, bench- benching anywhere from 350 to you know 450. And you know, I had a, I was in shape at one point in time over a decade ago. I, I wouldn't say I'm out of shape now. So for the for the last like six or seven years, I've maintained at about five ten, uh, to, between two thirty and two forty. I'm not fat. I'm not, I'm not anything like that. But but I'm not at my optimal weight that I should be with my body structure mm-hmm. for my height and my age, you know. So um, when, when I got sick this year, uh, you know, I went to that ear, nose, and throat doctor. They, they put me on a statin and something else. And I tell you, whatever, the, whatever it was they put me on completely dissipated whatever I was feeling in my chest and was feeling in my throat as well. So it leads me to believe that I really had nothing, that it was nothing to do with the thyroid.
2: Mm. So when
3: I found you guys, I said, you know, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to switch over to this animal-based diet. I liked everything I was hearing from Paul. I started researching his videos on YouTube and really doing the homework. And uh, and, and I switched over cold turkey. I got rid of the, um, the, uh, the, the Starbucks. I got rid of the polyester boxers, switched over to some Duluth Trading organic cotton boxers, and switched over overnight to a to an animal-based diet like literally I was I was I, I think the day before I had Panda Express and then the next day I was now on this animal-based diet which you know but is, is could be a little bit of a radical change for some people you know but me I have no problem with it I adapted just the whole nine yards so the the animal-based diet since uh, April has been going phenomenal I'm probably down. I don't. I haven't weighed myself because I really didn't want to get into like, all right, I'm losing this. I'm losing that. I just wanted to see if the if the lifestyle, because I really don't call it a diet, and I've really been preaching this to other people and members of my family. I, I don't call it a diet because it's really not a diet. You know, uh, a diet has cheat meals and things like that, and, and or could have cheat meals and stuff like that. This is more of a lifestyle to me, to the point now where. So how are you feeling, Ray? How how are
0: you feeling since being on this now for 90 days? What's happening? I know you said you weren't weighing yourself, but are you feeling better?
3: pasta products. But, you know, and, and I may be seeing some sort of withdrawal from that too, because I really did a cold turkey. Who knows? But um but really what I wanted to know is I do love a leaner cut of meat when it comes to a steak.
2: Mm-hmm. So I have
3: been sticking to eating fifteen on the ground beef and sticking to um, you know, trying to eat the ribeyes and stuff like that, but I'm not really a marble fat kind of guy. You know what I mean? I'm not really like a you know uh, like a ribeye guy per se. You know I, I'm more when I eat steak I'm I'm either eating a sirloin or filet mignon. So I, really I wanted to know is, is the leaner meat okay for me? You know okay, you know in this in this diet like just last week I'll give you a, an, an example. I'm not really a ribeye guy but I'll eat it. Um, I just got you know uh, 14 ribeyes uh, from this from this uh, one of these farms. And I got a chip to my house. So I'm having a ribeye every morning for breakfast with two eggs, corn and soy free, scoop of honey, um, raw, raw milk, um, raw cheese, a little bit of maple syrup, uh, and a little bit of microplastic free salt. Um, I Actually, in the last, uh, say, three weeks, two weeks, I've, I've now switched. I'm actually doing a little bit of a fast in the morning. Uh, so I'm waking up in the morning. I'm having my bone broth and I'm having um, sometimes I will have one egg, you know, a soft boiled egg, but, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of not eating breakfast anymore.
0: Okay, let me jump and in. Let me jump really in open. here. Let me okay. jump in here because okay, there's ahead. a, there's go a lot going on here, Ray. All right. So the first first and foremost, if you've been on TRT in the past and you was doing that and it was a somewhat decent dose and now you're off it in the future that there's a potential regulation of your body's uh, endogenous production of testosterone. Now, is that to a level where we can rehabilitate it? Of course, what are steroid hormones built on the backbone of its fat? So, in an animal-based diet, you know, we don't have to necessarily go out of our way to, you know, guzzle fat purposefully. But we we also can't fear fat, and it's okay to eat leaner proteins. You know, there's always going to be some element of fat there. But if we go too lean and then we're doing too much protein, and I I, I hear you know the fasting, I hear the the the. You know the thyroid um, conundrum in this as well, which is the, your energy regulator. And a body that is under stress is going to see a slowdown in thyroid and thyroid function. It's going to start seeing thyroid antibodies. You said you could take down a dozen bagels, and gluten is contraindicated with Hashimoto's. There's a there's a cross reactivity there. So, firstly, I want to celebrate you for getting those things out of the diet. And as much as you're Italian, like my wife, so I understand that you love your breads and your pastas. <laughs> that sometimes we've got to understand that that those foods when we're in a healing phase might not be serving us even to down to the vegetables like you said with with thyroid issues and some of the cross reactivity with how some of the sulforaphane can affect the um you know the uptake of zinc and and and, uh, selenium at the level of the thyroid and slow down function so I love to see that you're educating yourself on this. My my conundrums here would be it's very hard to say what's going on for, from your hormonal health perspective without getting back with a provider. I think if if one of the supplements that you're, you're taking from Heart and Soil is not whole package, it should be. And, and we'll actually get you a free bottle of that shipped out because it has that uh, testicle and bioavailable testosterone in there. Because what you mentioned to me is a big kind of a red slash green flag, I guess, how, how you want to look at it when you bumped your testosterone number up and you had the peptide that you lost all of that weight without really changing anything. That's because your body was probably getting back to something that was a more natural uh, hormonal state for you. And, and maybe if you're not experiencing that now, there's something going on here. There could be too much fasting, not enough food. You didn't say there was that many carbohydrates in the diet, which can be a signal of stress over the long run. You didn't mention fruit, you know, there's some honey in there and things like that. But the stress that we feel in life, and you went through a lot of stress here with your, your your mother and your mother-in-law and the move, and it sounds like you were holding a lot, that that stress is really the thing that's going to down-regulate energy in the body. And that that energy that's in a low vitality state and is under a lot of stress is not pumping out tons of testosterone in the testosterone factory. You know, it's holding onto weight. It's a signal for scarcity. It's a signal for like, hey, let's hold onto all this because we're in an eternal winter. We don't know where the next thing is coming from because we're, we're under stress. So one of the things that you said, and and, and I'm gonna challenge you here, because you said you're a guy that can just put it down when you want, and then you kind of walk that statement back by saying it's harder now because you've got to get cigarettes for your wife, but if you really want to heal, and then cigarettes aren't really going to play a, a, a you know a part in your healing journey when there's low grade oxidative stress and inflammation in the body because of stress and you're going out and smoking siggies on top of that then you've got to decide what you like more do you like the cigarettes more or do you want your health more and 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 do you want to heal more than you want to have the ah, from the nicotine rush? and maybe there's better options you know nicotine gum etc so you don't need to go cold turkey because i know you've felt that, that that can be hard sometimes but we do need to just put these things on the on the table and talk about them and with that you know the the, the extra 20 or 30 pounds that, that you want to lose I think it's important to get back into some kind of training regimen even if it's just walking to your point and I know Jared you've worked with tons of people at this mm-hmm. point probably people that have a lot of weight to lose like yeah. where do you get them started What what's your advice to just get going
1: well I just want to take what Ray said and Ray thank you so much for sharing uh, your experience and what you've been going through because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that can relate on that level so thank you for that vulnerability with us and now we can come at you with hopefully some other thoughts that might impact you in new ways. But something that really concerned me is not hearing strength training. Mm-hmm. Strength training is a producer of testosterone, all these different hormone regulation pieces. You know, you talked st- st- early about maybe you were overstressed, but maybe your body's understressed. Mm. If we're not challenging our body, it's not going to grow in their hormone production, the nervous system that's all taking place within strength training. It's great to walk upstairs. It's great to walk around at work. Hopefully, we're at least getting 10,000 steps a day. But if we're not bringing strength training into our lifestyle to enhance us, to enhance that primal side while we're even taking all these fuels in, if you want to optimize fat, protein more, add activity in, I think that that could be very beneficial, not only for your body, not only internally, externally, but mental clarity. Mm. Like coming out, you know, you talked about how I heard how fired up you got when you're like, yeah, I did 350 to 450 bench. <laughs> cool. I love that for you, bro. Bring that guy back a little bit. Mm. Access him again. Bring that beast back. It doesn't have to be balls to the walls like we were talking about earlier. You don't have to go bench 350, 450, but you could go squeeze your pecs. Leg day is one of the biggest productions of hormones mm-hmm. because all the blood flows to the gonads. <laughs> you <laughs> understand what so if we can get all that blood flow to there, I mean, it's going to enhance many things outside of your hormone production. Mm-hmm. So that's my last thoughts. I don't know much on the other end of yeah. anything else, but I did want to add in that thought.
0: No, you nailed it, dude. I, I And I'm glad you you know filled the hole that I missed because it's such a, an obvious one there. Like push your body on the load, ask the nervous system to adapt. It's it's one of the best things we can possibly do. There's like a few key things for testosterone production, resistance strain in top of the list, adequate nutrition, adequate sleep, and keep your stress in check. Reduce the booze, reduce the other things that are adding to the oxidative stress load, and you know you've you've got something there to to work on a you know a healthy challenge for me to remove the the things that you are choosing that are potentially injuring your metabolism and and if there is a thyroid condition here the these can be healed if you remove the foods that are causing the issue the body wants to heal if you remove the things that are causing the stress and you you know you you do the things that we're suggesting here you you start paying a little more attention it sounds like your diet's moving in the right direction i wouldn't be scared of throwing some fruit in there and you know just diversifying a little bit but to jared's point you know get back under that barbell a little bit or you know if you can't get into the gym right now push-ups are great squats are Being great Being inactive are great. is stress yeah yeah, that's a very good that's a good, very good thing. Yeah, it's like entropy, right? That kind of stress, a breakdown stress. So, let's get you back in a negentropy, which is growth and good stress. So, thanks for calling in, Ray, and, and best of luck on your journey. We're gonna get you sent a a bottle of whole package as well to to get that testosterone fire testosterone firing again, and um, you know that's it for for callers today, Jared. So, we. Just kind of open up this last couple of minutes here for you to do what we always do on podcasts, tell people where they can find you and all of that stuff. So send them to the right places, but also an open floor opportunity for you to say anything that wants to be said or, or you know, a message for the listener or anything that you, you want. The floor is yours, my friend.
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Crazy Trainer. On YouTube, you can also find me at The Crazy Trainer on Facebook you can find me I'm just kidding I'm gonna give you my Facebook all right I will <laughs> J Rod Cardona if you really want it it's there you want to okay. be friends you can you be, be friends it's me there It'll I might not nice. follow you back on Instagram but I'll definitely follow you back there um and I think you know I, th- I think I said everything I felt was Good. my truth for the most part yeah and I just want to remind people like give yourself as much love as possible as much grace but also get someone around you who's gonna give you a little slap in the ass to remind you uh you that go. we could do more there you and go And that's okay
0: Yeah. I love that, man. And if you're ever in the Austin area, you host classes on it, right? You do like that. You've mentioned the Zilka Park on Wednesdays and you've got some workshops and stuff coming up. Mm -hmm. So just it's all on the Instagram.
1: All on the Instagram. This Saturday, if you're around in Austin somehow from 10 a.m. to 420 p.m., I'm running a Kettlebell Flow 101 workshop where we talk about the principles the stability pieces before we even touch a kettlebell you're Mm -hmm. going to learn a lot about your body because the kettlebell is just an extension of your body Mm -hmm. and same thing on mondays and tuesdays i teach it on it live in the morning on monday in the evening on tuesdays all kinds of tools all kinds of practices you could find me there a lot of the time training and if you're around austin you'll find me somewhere outside probably too
0: the crazy trainer on the gram slide into jared's dms let him know what you liked from this conversation and go flow with this man he's a gentleman it's a pleasure to chat to you, brother. Let's go swing some bells. And we'll you. see you next week. Woo! Hey. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Radical Health Radio. We get a fresh new podcast for you every Wednesday. If you enjoyed the show, consider liking, subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on your podcast platform. It helps to spread this message of Radical Health. We'll see you next week.